Hello everyone and welcome to the Power of Music Thinking. My name is Christoph Zürn and this is the podcast for people with a musical heart and a wicked job. We're looking for stories, insights and tools from the big world of music to inspire leaders and followers to listen, tune, play and perform in whatever field you're operating. Today we're in Sweden and we speak with Caroline Seifert, a PhD student at the Stockholm Resilience Center, where she does research on the island of Öland. Caroline combines scientific research with music to raise awareness about sustainability issues around the Baltic Sea. In this way, she inspires the audience to take action to address challenges related to a changing climate. And Caroline shares some insights with us about her research and the creative production that led to the musical piece Dialogues as part of the Baltic Sea Festival Science Lab. We talked about her creative and dialogue-based approach with local actors in different workshops and how she transformed the results of her investigation into a poem that was a central part of the musical composition. We reflect on the different sound qualities of rainfall and her curiosity to explore other ways of combining art-based approaches with scientific research in the future to create opportunities for engaging with sustainability questions on a much deeper level. Okay, here we go. Welcome, Caroline. Welcome to The Power of Music Thinking. Yeah, thanks for having me, Christoph. Okay, let's start with our uh, ritualistic uh, question that I ask every guest. What's your first sonic experience or album or performance that had an impact on you? Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, when I think about a performance, uh, I remember the musical Tabaluga that I saw with my parents as a child. And this musical is about a small dragon. He's called Tabaluga. And this little dragon is um, having the task or the challenge of um, defending the world against the cold and oh. defending the world against the cold with fire. And um, I don't remember all the different elements of the story, but I remember that at the end, of course, the good wins over the evil. And I think this experience really stuck with me because it was my first musical that I saw in the theater. And I was really fascinated by this combination of um, acting, playing on stage, but also um, singing and dancing. And I was fascinated by um, the actors who could really do all these different things uh, at one time. Yeah. Wow. Nice. It's Peter Maffei, right? The composer? Yes, it is. Yeah. And Peter Maffei, he's, um, uh, let me think about it. It's also uh, a German, uh, not Schlager, but German sung uh, pop music, I would say. And uh, Tabalu Tabaluga is is first or maybe is only uh, a musical. I, I think so. 
And um, maybe my parents took me there because they like the music of Peter Maffei yeah. and thought that's a fun way of combining, yeah, getting me out into the theater world um, and them, them sitting in the audience and enjoying listening to his music. Um, but I think when when I think about the story now, it's it's really interesting when you think of sustainability cha challenges. Because mm. back in the days in the Tabaluga musical, it was about defending the world against the cold. And now it's almost the opposite way around, right? We have to um, fight the climate crisis and we have to address the problem of a constantly uh, warming uh, planet. And interesting that this was a, a theme already um some some years ago but uh, i also can remember in the in, in the 70s when we had um uh, sundays uh, free of uh, car driving because of the oil crisis and then as a kid you think oh wow later in 10 years which is long or maybe 20 years and now it's much 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 longer then something will be different and changed And uh, yeah, and later you realize that you yeah that you only can be a part of the change. Mm, yeah, exactly. And now it's almost on us to find our inner tapalugas <laughs> and do our small part in yeah addressing these big problems of our time. Nice, absolutely. Okay, so Caroline, I found you via the the internet, and I really don't remember how exactly, but okay, I'm always looking for uh, interesting stories or interesting um, things or performances that have to do with music on the one side, but with other things on the other side. And so I reached out to you. So, but maybe you introduce yourself for, for the listener. Who are you? What do you do? And then we dive into why we are here. Yeah, sounds good. I'm currently a PhD student at the Stockholm Resilience Center, and I'm based in uh, in Stockholm. Um, and uh, I'm conducting research on an island called Öland. Öland is uh, Sweden's second largest island off the Swedish east coast. And it's an island that has really experienced the effects of climate change at the doorstep. And it's quite interesting because Öland is a very long island and it's a very flat island. And um, it's covered by only a very thin soil cover, which holds very little capacity to store water. And next to this, we also see that there is really low groundwater levels. And um, there has been recurring heat waves and droughts over the last years. And of course, in relation to climate change, we also see a lot of variability in uh, precipitation. And this means that... Um, Yeah, over the last years, the problem of water scarcity has become a very big issue. Uh, and also on the island, there's a lot of agriculture, there's a lot of tourism, um, and uh, it's really troubling for the year-round inhabitants to live in under these circumstances. And um, yeah. Was this a change uh, only in the last, let's say, 10 years? Or when did this start? Yeah, one can say that the island has experienced these low groundwater levels over the last 10 years. Um, but then we had really big droughts um, in 2016 and 2018, where the situation was actually so severe that water trucks had to drive over the bridge and carrying over drinking water to the island because there was simply nothing left in the reservoirs. Right. And we have to remember it's not Africa, it's uh, it's Sweden. 
It's it's interesting because sometimes when I talk about my research, people say, oh, this sounds more like Southern Europe. And then yeah. I tell them, no, it's an island off the Swedish uh, East Coast. So, yeah, it happens here um, as well. And what's the biggest city from Öland? So do do we know Öland or yeah, maybe it's a tourist, uh, I don't know. Yeah, um, well, the, the biggest city is just located on the other side of the bridge. It's called Fergestan. Um, uh, and this one is popular, but then there's also another smaller city, Boyholm. It's a little bit north of Fergestan. Um, but maybe people know Kalma, which is on the other side of the bridge on the mainland, Swedish mainland. Okay. Yeah, cool. it's about a five-hour drive south of Stockholm. Maybe you can ex um, tell a little bit more about the project um, with the Baltic Sea festival because now this is the power of music thinking podcast and normally we don't talk about uh, let's say climate change however this uh, yeah there's always uh, some kind of overlap with other themes but you did something very special and maybe you can you can talk about this it was only when i was half a year into my phd that one of my friends forwarded me an email And she just wrote, oh, this kind of announcement or this offer sounds very much like you. And I was, of course, very intrigued by this one sentence. Um, so I started to look through the advertisement uh, of this uh, email. And it was it was like a call for the um, Baltic Sea Festival, the Östergol Festivalen, um, which is a festival for classical music that takes place every year here in Stockholm. And as part of this festival, um, the organizers were planning to host um, the Baltic Sea Festival Science Lab, which they created as a new initiative to invite young researchers who conduct research in and around and on the Baltic Sea to share their research in a very different way and with very new audiences. And while this all sounded a little bit vague, it sounded also very interesting to me. And I thought that is such a great project because I also read that we will be teamed up uh, with a composer and we'll work in half a year process to have our research translated into a classical composition. And I thought that sounds really cool. And the first thing I was thinking was that like, okay, everybody kind of knows or can kind of picture water scarcity, but we all have no idea how water scarcity would sound like. So I applied. <laughs> so normally we have water music. So I think there are very famous examples, um, uh, Handel or uh, other kinds of music. Handel, by the way, is uh, the, German, the, the, the German composer. And you're also from Germany, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Born and raised in, in Germany. Yeah. Um, then moved to Sweden for my studies and uh, stayed here for the PhD. There's also a link with music. So you said you have some kind of um, musical background? Yes. So, of course, this call also attracted me because um, music was always part of my life. Um, as I said earlier, I'm a big fan of musicals. So there I really enjoy being in the audience and being fascinated by these different worlds presented on stage. Um, and then when I went to primary school, I actually also had a chance to be part of a musical um, that we rehearsed together with our teacher. Um, and uh, yeah, together with two of my friends who were also participating in this musical, we then came together and uh, formed a band and we were playing together for yeah 
seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. And that was, of course, a lot of fun. Yeah, just um, trying to cover some songs and then also moving on to writing our own songs. And um, yeah. Nice. Well, what kind of band was it? It was a very small band. It was only the three of us. Uh, and uh, yeah, if people ask me what kind of music we made, I think I would say it was kind of singer, songwriter, pop, uh, folk music. We all played a lot of different instruments. So we would usually um, just shifting around a little bit and every song would have another type of instrumentalization. Um, yeah, so that was kind of fun. So you were taking turns on the instrument. So what instruments were uh, were there involved? Yeah, so there was, of course, like uh, drums and um, different kinds of percussions. We had a cajon. Um, there was guitars, different sizes of guitars. We even had a guitar lele. We had a ukulele. Um, we even had a violin and, um, yeah, piano. And at one point, we also had a nose flute, but that, but that wasn't so successful. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks it looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> But that's interesting. If you play together with three people, and not everybody has his own instrument, like you know, one is the the guitar, the guitar player, the drums, and maybe a keyboard. So that, that's interesting. So all of you play different instruments. So that's in 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 that sense also a broader view on on music because it depends on what you would like to play and you know or you could play also the other part but you you know how, how does this work or how did this work i think it just allowed us to be very flexible in how we want to interpret certain songs um and i think it was also fun to sometimes when we had a concert or something to just switch around a little bit and um oh now i played the guitar next song i'm gonna play the piano um, this time you sing, this time I sing, now we can sing together. So just even if we were only free, it gave us a lot of uh, space to be creative and um, have fun together. So that was cool. Now that's nice. Well, working in trio is very dynamic uh, because there, there's always a two, one or a one, two situation. And you always try to make it a three so that the three of, uh, of you play together. By the way, I'm, I'm making all the time analogies to the, to the business world or to how we work together. So that's very interesting in how people would work together in an office and do they play their instrument like doing only one thing or can do like in a startup you would do different tasks and everybody could do something and maybe later you just decide who is doing what but how was it to work together with the with the composer was the the story first and the story in this case is Ulan and uh, and and the 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 water scarcity or was it like mere more from um, create a musical sphere and then add the, the text to it. How, how did this work? Yeah, it was a very interesting process and was also a process that unfolded over half a year. And it was not only the my composer Sampo Kasurinen from Finland and I, but it was also our producer Elisabeth Jünger, who was kind of with us to make sure that we, over the whole half a year, make sure to always speak kind of the same language when we meet. Um, so Sampo and I, we met for the first time Uh, over Zoom in in January um, last year, so kind of one year ago. Um, And uh, I started to explain my research to him and to Elisabeth, and I was uh, sharing some of the texts I already had produced and and some of our uh, work we do on Erland. And um, 
for them, it was very interesting to learn more about the project. Um, but they also said, yeah, you have to kind of start to write a text, uh, a text with which we could work. So I started to, um, yeah, kind of package my research um, into a poem. Not a poem that necessarily rhymes, but uh, just a way of creative writing and distilling my thoughts. Um, and yeah, kind of to my surprise, Sampo and Lisa were really the, in in love with this uh, poem. And we started to um, base our discussions around it. And uh, Sampo started to get the composition process going. It was very interesting because the first idea he he had was just handing over the poem to his partner who was playing the violin and she was improvising on her violin based on the words she would hear because I had recorded the poem mm. uh, and she would just yeah improvise and based on her first um, improvising Sampo then yeah started to um, yeah write write the music. Ah it's like some kind of prototyping like just improvise around it and pick out stuff that you like um uh, th then try to 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 write something and uh, and and then bring it to the final version um but l l one question about the poem i think that's that's very interesting if you think about poems um sometimes it's the question is is it descriptive do you describe something or do you have a picture that you in some way try to 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 bring over and uh Uh, yeah, and, and there, there, there are different forms of poems where you more try to evoke, let's say, an emotion or a feel instead of giving details. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? I can describe a little bit the process of how, yeah, I wrote the poem and the, the different elements of it. Um, and then I'll I'll share the link with you where everyone who listens to the podcast can uh, watch the recording online. Um, but I use kind of the theme of the year and all the different months within a year as a framing for my poem. So we start kind of in January, February, March, where it's it's cold on the island. It rains from time to time. Um, the there's a lot of rainfall, um, and there seems to be enough enough water. And then we're transitioning into April and May, where there's a lot of changes in the weather. Um, and we also see some first tourists coming to the island. There's still uh, like sufficient amount of water. Um, nobody's really concerned that it's going to be a dry year again or anything. Situation seems quite hopeful. But then all suddenly summer kicks in and uh, it's just starting to be very dry. People are really waiting for the rain. The farmers are especially waiting for the rain. The cows are waiting for the rain, but there's just no rain coming. So people start to feel very concerned. There is this, this fear that it might be another one of these very extreme years where, yeah, people just don't know how to actually get over the summer. And then September comes, but yet there is no rainfall. And then October, where finally the rain comes comes back and the farmers can finally harvest. Um, and uh, November and December continue to be all drier than usual. And people start to realize that it must be related to climate change. So it was really this like dramatic arc in in our um, in my poem, but then also in the composition where we tried to package different different feelings, um, feelings of uh, fear, but also towards the end feelings of hope. And um, Sampo started to, to write the music 
And at one point, um, Elisabeth also said, well, the story you're telling in your poem, it's very general and it's maybe not specific enough to exactly the research that you're doing. And we were thinking a little bit about it and we were discussing about it with, with Sampo as well. And um, we then added a whole part, um, which actually talks about the research I'm doing together with my two supervisors on the island. And it's, um, it's a process, it's a di dialogue-based process that we refer to as knowledge co-production, where we invited a range of different uh, actors, everyone from farmers, the nature protection organizations, local and regional authorities to come together and to work towards a more inclusive community-based approach to managing water in the landscape. And then as part of this dialogue process, we uh, hosted three different workshops over the range of, of six months. And the first one, the first workshop was about understanding the problem on the island with water scarcity, but also mapping the island as a system and growing together as a group of different people who will work together over the next couple of months and hopefully also way beyond that. And the second workshop was then also really fun because we took everybody outside and we visited three different places on the island, which are positive examples where people have done different interventions to keep more water in the landscape. And we kind of leverage these place-based stories and uh, how people relate to certain places on the island. And then the third workshop, we were kind of back inside, back together, uh, and we developed four different strategies um, to address Erland's water scarcity issues. And the cool thing is that, yeah, since I'm just at the beginning of my PhD, I'll hope fully also be part of the process of implementing yeah these strategies in in the future and so we added a whole paragraph if you want it like that um to the poem which was about the free workshops um to also make it more related to the actual research that i'm doing and at first sample i think was a little bit hesitant because it seemed that adding the free workshops was a little bit too researchy <laughs> but then at the end, I think that's what really made the difference. And it was also that um, through the workshop series and talking to people, we also felt that this is a way of actual change making. And if you get so many different interests and perspectives together, there is really this moment of, aha, you can actually make changes because it's so much easier to understand where another person is coming from with uh, their perspectives but also how other people can help you in, in making change yourself. I think it's a beautiful process. And also starting the project that at the very end, this will be a festival piece. Uh, mm. On the other hand, there there is um, yeah, a country or a region involved. Um, mm. there's happening something in the region or, or not happening. Um, and they, you, you get into a process that, that is, that starts with the, yeah, with the, with the creative, um, with the creative approach of first writing it as a poem and then yeah. working in, uh, uh, into it. And also with the workshop, I, I think that's, that's a very beautiful way to, to weave, um, the, people of the land like the the farmers and everybody who lives there together with an artificial or nor not with an artificial but with an with an art based uh, work to bring everything together was it also played in 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 Öland? 
Um, it was not played in Ireland, but it was uh, we performed it as part of the Estocco Festival, the Baltic Sea Festival. And um, in this in this process of um, bringing like the text and the music together, it was it was also very interesting because Sample then like used my recorded text to kind of put the music on top of it, kind of as a top layer. Um, and then it also came to the point where we had the first rehearsal with the musicians. And it was very interesting because um, all the other pairs, composer and scientist, they kind of uh, chose this path of like first having text, then having music, then having text, then having music. But Sampo really uh, appreciated like my idea with the dialogues because we were playing with this idea of dialogues. It's dialogues that we had um, with uh, the local actors on Erland. And then we also wanted to have a dialogue of, like between me on stage and the musicians, but also among all of us on stage and our audience. So the piece is called Dialogues. And uh, in the first rehearsal, it was it became really clear that it's impossible for only the musicians to rehearse. I had to be part uh, of the rehearsal as well. I needed to be on stage. And then it was really interesting to see how um, Sampo also wrote down um, my text pieces into the composition because um, he finally packaged everything in like neat little text boxes that had a little arrow pointing exactly on on the tone or note mm-hmm. uh, where yeah they had to hear a certain word from me and then the clarinet for example would start all right so, so so you were working with keywords for example so this gave you a little bit more space in maybe at a certain moment make it a little bit quicker or, or take your time to really uh, uh, get it in and the musicians have to react on on your keywords what keywords were there for example oh, there, were, <laughs> there were many there were many keywords it was sometimes they had to listen to me and sometimes i also had to listen to them um and I think how Sampo framed it was like the the text is a kind of conductor. <laughs> That's what he told everyone mm. um, when we started rehearsing. And um, for example, at one point, um, yeah, the the violin, the viola, they were imitating kind of windy sounds. And then I had to listen to that, and I knew that only after a couple of seconds I would start. Or sometimes the clarinet would give me a little bit of a of a signal, <laughs> performing a little bit of a circle with the clarinet, and then I knew, okay, now it's time for me to start again. Uh, and sometimes when I said um, nothing, for example, there was a keyword. I just said nothing, and then it was silence. Then I said the second nothing, and then all suddenly the percussion would come in and. Um, yeah, it would be quite loud sounds. Mm. Um, so that was a really interesting process. And um, yeah, I think I was a little bit lucky to be able to uh, side read notes, uh, um, to be able to learn uh, when to listen to others and when the others have to listen to me. Wow, that sounds, it also sounds very, very, yeah, like you had a lot of fun. And it's like co-creation, work together. And um, yeah, but I also th- find it interesting that um, the text is a kind of conductor, what you just uh, said or what uh, Sampo said. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's really interesting. In one of the um, other podcasts, we had text compositions from Pauline Oliveros, uh, which are sh- short, let's say, some kind of instructions um, to to do something. And I always found it interesting in a, in a business uh, setting to use this let's say, a musical principle in doing a text composition, which actually are 
I would say very close to poems <laughs> to to describe something and to to really um, write them with an impact of that people can do something with it. And I found this so so nice because you don't necessarily have to 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 play a musical instrument to get into that co-creation where in the workshops that you mentioned before in the dialogue based process where there are also musicians involved or the composer involved um no but there were some people working as uh, artists on the site um mm -hmm. and also working at the Folkhögskolan which is uh, yeah if you translate it word by word it's like the folk high school it's kind of a yeah kind of a college i think mm. um And there they would also work with a lot of arts-based processes. And that's uh, definitely something this project also kind of sparked my interest in and something I would like to explore further, how to combine research also with arts-based processes and especially music processes. I think that would be fun to dive a little bit deeper into. Yeah, the yeah. difference between... Yeah composition and improvisation and different ways of how uh, how you construct music that's wh where i'm pretty much uh, in, in 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 music thinking or the power of music thinking uh, when we think about different kinds of music what can we learn from indigenous people how they make music think about japan or australia or maybe in the case of sweden it could also be the sami for example just to 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 name something and what can we learn from them in sounding different so that we hear different in the way how we um see or hear or listen to to the world what's happening and that's what i think there, there's also a little bit a link to an earlier episode with uh, mike van der namer about sonification in the way um how can you add music or sounds or sounds as music um to uh, uh, to, to let's say to a discussion or to 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 a process um and then with the question will you literally um describe the music so like in, in in water would be like something flowing or uh, something repetitive or with with a little bit of uh, changes or is it something that you say okay when we talk about water everybody knows what it is and how it sounds and now let's see what can we do with the water that we feel is the water warm or cold is it much water or less water is it blue or green is this something that you encountered in 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 this process Mm. Yeah, I think uh, when Sampo presented the first, um, yeah, drafts of the composition, so to say, um, you could, of course, hear a lot of different ways of rainfall. So sometimes you would hear a distant rainfall in the pa, uh, like somewhere, yeah, in somewhere far away. Um, sometimes it would be pouring rain. Sometimes it would just be little drops here and there, depending on where we are in the year. And I think the most powerful way he thought about rainfall for me was just the silence. Because it was really in the silence where you could also sense in the audience that there was really this, this uh, feeling of uh, fear emerging. What will be the next, what will be the next step? What will, what would the next month look like? Um, and this is of course also something We had captured in the conversations on Erland, just like this this fear of how to continue um 
Yeah. So I think for me, it was really important to make sure that everything we've heard and learned from our actors on Erland also finds its way into this project. And uh, I also saw this project as a way to kind of raise awareness on on these water scarcity issues here in Sweden, but also beyond. But that was really important for me. Yeah, I think that's so beautiful or or special in the way that you can um you know if if you if you would share your research it would be a report and i'm i'm now thinking uh, at the moment like um, your phd so i would expect it that it maybe is a, a poem or a collection of different poems <laughs> instead of just um giving information uh, more like um, trying to to inspire people to think uh, trying to 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 think about their own situation what a poem does it 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 reaches you it touches you emotionally and then you say oh hang on let's 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 take a break and let's think about it how 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 i am feeling in that in that way so i think to the that art, uh, artistic um process or approach is, is a very interesting one is this something that you would like to do more so could we expect that the that you that let's say your final phd report might be a concert <laughs> well that depends a lot on the flexibility of um yeah of how we can actually defend our phd i think my phd will still be a book um with uh four or five different consecutive uh, papers that I'll publish. Um, but I think there's a little bit of room that actually the composition that Sample wrote will be part of, of my PhD book. And I think there might also be a way of um, having like a screening maybe of, of the musical piece again when I defend. This is still kind of far in the future, um, but I, I like to entertain the idea of having a little bit of a musical component to, to the actual defense. Um, yeah, but the cool thing is with the Baltic Sea Festival Science Lab that they will actually continue this uh, format uh, in this year's uh, festival. And uh, again, it will take place in August here in Stockholm. And this year it's going to be six young uh, researchers being paired with six young composers. And they again, they will yeah showcase their research and um, communicate their some of their findings, some of their insights to much bigger audience than we might usually reach uh, reach with our scientific publications and i think this is really cool because i think in in our case it was really these different calls for action for a more sustainable future of the baltic sea which then kind of came nice together as an orchestrated call to action and i think this combination of research and and music really allowed us to communicate emotions and through this process, we also hope that we kind of spark the interest in these sustainability topics in our listeners and then hopefully also inspire them to take action themselves. So that was kind of the big hopes behind the project. Oh, that's a beautiful idea. And I think even if people are listening now um, from a scientific perspective or a musical perspective, they they might be inspired from, hey, this is something that we could do too. And like you started, let's say, as a singer-songwriter, it doesn't have necessarily has to be an orchestra, but everybody can bring um, information and let's better say knowledge, because it's not just information, it's not just giving the facts, it's just interpreting the facts and doing something with it. And I think that's a very beautiful uh, approach. 
So mm. thank you, Carly. And I will put everything in the in the show notes, also the link to the performance. There's a video and maybe also uh, information about the next uh, festival. Is there something that we didn't touch that you would like to, to share or give us a tip for people doing research, uh, how they could uh, use music or even in, in business, how they could um, go the musical way? Hmm. I think this is maybe a call to all all other researchers out there that sometimes it's it might seem a little bit scary at the beginning to really leave our comfort zone and uh, think about how we could do stuff differently, how we could do our research differently or how we could communicate our research in new and different ways. But I think for me and also I think for the other researchers who were part of this process, it really showed us that leaving the comfort zone is 100% worth it. It kind of leaves you with new ideas, with new inspiration and also new motivation to to carry on the research you do. And also based on the feedback we received on from the audience, I think uh, I would love to see more of these projects happening that kind of build these bridges between yeah different parts of society. So I think, yeah, go for it. <laughs> That's my advice. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate this because listening is one of the top leadership skills and I feel honored about this. It is my mission to find, create and share inspirations for meaningful collaboration based on music analogies. If you want to support this, please subscribe to the podcast Give us a rating or write a review on iTunes or Spotify. And more inspirations can be found on musicthinking.com. We have a blog and you can download the Music Thinking Framework. And finally, I would love to hear your feedback. And if you need help with a business challenge, please reach out to me via email podcast at musicthinking.com.